Hi everybody and welcome to another edition of the In My Life podcast. This week we have no guest. Well, you could say we are each other's guest again. <laughs> uh, Andy, as always, is with me. Andy, how are you? Before we get into to what we're going to do, I'll get the hellos out of the way. How are you? I'm not so bad. I'm not so bad. I am looking for this. Yes, it's, looking forward to this one. It's it's a it's a little bit different. What what, what Andy and I are going to do today? We're going to look at the world of football and music and how they have sort of merged together over the years with with some decent results. But I think we'll both be in agreement, Andy, with some more disaster than 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 glory. Let's be honest. We like the disaster. More than the glory. <laughs> we we do, but 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 we're big enough men that we can say when somebody does something right, that that was good. But sadly, in the world of football, I always find that it's it's very sort of hit and miss thing. Whenever footballers descend, or football itself descends, are into the world of music. It's it's one of those areas that maybe it's a line that maybe shouldn't be crossed. Maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, you say that, but then we we do have some good things to talk about, and where the good, the really good, and they're to be loved. But yeah, more often than not, it's um, it's a line I, that some people should know better than not to cross. Yes, in, in, in general terms, it normally ends up a steaming pile of horseshit. I think is the best way to describe it. <laughs> Stick to what you're good at. Stick to what you're good at. <laughs> right. No, <laughs> moving swiftly along. Uh, we're going to do this as a two-parter. Uh, Andy's brought his to the table, and he'll be going first, and, and part two will be uh, what I bring to the table. So we'll start off on a positive, Andy, and you're, you're number one on, on the list. Just to start out, we'll play maybe 30 seconds of this song. Uh, it's uh, World in Motion by New Order. So there we are, Andy. Uh, to me, a great choice. Um, John Barnes rapping. It's never a bad thing, is it? <laughs> it's not. But some people might uh, suggest otherwise, but I think in this in this instance, it was managed beautifully. Everything about it was just impeccable. It really is. This is the epitome of football and music coming together, in my eyes. It really is. And I know the fact that it's, it was the England World Cup song, you know, Italian 90, because it's linked to England, that you know it may divide opinion amongst other nationalities, etc., etc. But I, I think if you're able to step away from uh, your, your national loyalties, in pure terms, like you said, you know, mixing football and music, this for me is the absolute epitome of of what you would attain, what we, what you'd always like to attain, but usually never be able to actually achieve. But Andy, I think it was the first time it was football as well that you know these teams or whatever the associations actually went and found somebody cool to record with, you know, because normally fucking Chaz and Dave and people like that, you know, run away, stay away from it. But New Order spurned out of Joy Division, a, a very cool band in my opinion, and you know they, they they got it right. It wasn't this cheesy crap that were, were you know we've been churned out for years and years up until that. This was something different. This this reset the benchmark really. I think the the real sort of the testament to this is that people will listen to this and enjoy it outside of football, 
you know, not just football fans and, and, and not just listen to it because they're going back to a moment in football is this is a song you could just listen to as if it was just any other music track. That is is, is a real, real rarity in, in anything that's <laughs> football and music related. It's, yeah, it, it transcends everything. It's, um, I, I think it's just such a, a beautifully put together track, so well written, cleverly done. Even the video, you know, they were even pretty smart in, in the video, the, the way that was put together. It wasn't cheesy. It didn't feel as so many... I would have said less <laughs> cheesy, just less cheesy. <laughs> there was still well, a okay. bit of cheese in there. Now, come on. Yeah, well, again, it was 1990 as well. You know, it's it was a trailblazer. It, it really was. And, and and it's probably, again, testament that it's been, what, no, how long are we talking? 1990, we, we, like, uh, 27 years later, you, you struggle to find another song that is knitted two industries together as well as this. Well, you do have another one on your list, Andy, but, you know, moving into obviously an area that is of great distress to you because you've, you've listed this as almost every FA Cup team final song ever recorded. But we've, we've actually singled out probably, we've gone deep into the cesspool of these, these particular tracks and, and come up with this one. So that was Arsenal's hot stuff, Andy. Um, quite disturbing stuff, really. I think is a better title for it. Oh my God! If that's look, this is why I said almost every FA Cup final team song ever recorded. You know, that just so so demeaning of, of, of virtually any FA Cup final that's ever been recorded. And I did say almost, not every single one of them. There's been the odd one of being okay. just just ninety nine point nine 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 percent of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, they're, just, they're just generally so bloody awful, and it's just the cheese and the crap levels, and and it's just oh my god, they're stood around, and you can see, you know, probably ninety five percent of the squad don't want to be there. They absolutely do not want to be there. You know, pictured with the headphones on one on one ear all singing together into a into a microphone and and somehow these songs get into the charts or oh, they used to i mean i don't think that god knows if the charts even exist now but you know people would buy this crap and it's like oh christ they're horrible and that arsenal one that really is cringe i mean it, it's a cheesy song that they've took it from and then to rewrite the lyrics to very badly, song. very, very yeah, badly, very it must be badly. said. Oh, uh, uh, but rewriting them with, with the players and little taglines, and oh, god, it's just it's a kind of thing that I I would imagine the vast majority of Arsenal fans um, may have laughed at the time, but now we'll look back and go, oh my god, I'm so embarrassed, I can't believe we put that out. 
as a club. I cannot... And it's on the internet, Andy. We're in the internet era. It's yes. there forever. You <laughs> They're can go stuck and with enjoy it. it. It is, you know, and oh, Christ. But there's so many of these types of songs. There's loads of, like, every FA Cup final was part of the tradition that your team would, you know, if your team was in the final, they had to all gather together, get some crappy song, uh, get some God knows who singer to sing in the background, and then the uh, the squad sing along into about three microphones out of tune, and then you pay. You, you pay. And, and the video sort of always give the tried to get. I, I do stress the word tried to give the impression. You know, they were all having a great time, and this was team building and spirit building. And as you said, it was like, fucking ground swallow me up. Yeah, get me out of here. Yeah, like I said, stick to what you're good at and singing in it. Well, as I say, they're, they're paid professionals in, in a sport. Singing really shouldn't come into it. But listen, I, I want to move forward to this gem. No, the Dylan Skinner, Three Lions, Andy, the, the 96 version, I think we both agree, maybe the original and the best. What a football anthem. Yeah, just brilliant. Uh, and the, I think, yeah, the original was the best, but I think it's credit to them that the follow-up two years later was almost as good. And it was it was different. They gave it the different feel to it, and they even played upon the 96 version. And that's probably because you had two guys... You know, two comics who are, you know, genuine football fans who understood football culture, who, who understood, you know, the humour involved and not to take it too seriously and just kind of played it all up and, and knew what they were doing and they were pretty smart about it and they had a bit of a laugh at themselves and had a lot of fun. But I think the great thing is, is although it is an England song and it, and it just lives and it isn't that over-optimistic you know, it's just, you know, we're going to do this and so-and-so's running down here and we're going to do this and we're going to lift the cup. It was it was talking about the misery and the dejection. That's probably why it appealed to me, actually. <laughs> that, uh, you know, what it was like to be an England fan for all them years because, you know, you won something, God, you know, decades ago, but you've not won anything since. And it was just, it, it felt pure and it was, it was... I think the coming home part as well, Andy, you know, for, for Euro 96, you know, I, I have many issues with England, but certainly hosting a tournament wouldn't be one of them. I think it's one of the best places in the world you can host a tournament. It's the home of football. And, and you know, even as a non-England fan, it, it resonated with me. Yeah. But I said there was a purity about it because you, you felt like it was a football song written by football fans. And that's essentially what it was. And, and like you said, although, yes, it was an England song sung by England fans and, you know, for England, it went beyond just England. I mean, I was in Germany for for, for the uh, semi-finals of the, and the final of Euro 96, watching it with um, other Brits and some Germans as well. 
we you know we we had a laugh the semi-final England against Germany we were all gathered together we had a laugh and the German fans were singing that song they were singing you know it's coming home it's coming home football's coming home but you know they they were singing Three Lions for years the Germans they just picked up on it and that was the other thing is it was catchy you know that and that I, I, I suppose the credit for that catchiness obviously has to go to uh, Ian Brodie the Lightning Seeds but it was it just brilliant because not just was it a song that you listened to, it was a song for the terraces. And I think some people maybe got sick of it after a while. But like I say, you know, I, I witnessed it that it wasn't just England fans singing it, it was other fans singing it. And they were singing it there and then at Euro 96. So that's how quickly it took hold. And there's been other ones that have done that since, but very few and far between. But yeah, Three Lions, mostly the original, but also 98, just... Brilliant in terms of football and again football and music coming together. I, I just love how it was done because it was done not too serious, done as fun, and it just everything was right and it worked and it was really really clever. No, and and you talk about the the international appeal of it. I think I was I was in Crete. I think it was in in uh, two thousand and two, sort of the, during the second week of the World Cup in two thousand and two. I was back in the time, Andy, you'll remember, you used to get the the ninety nine pound last minute deals for four or five days, and I took one of those. And you know, it was all about the World Cup over there, and there was Dutch, there was Belgians, there was French, all singing this song. Obviously, you know, just the football's coming home part of it. Uh, forgetting the England part, but as you say, the catchiness, it, j- it just grabbed you, and as I say, there, there's very few football songs out there, as I say, when, when you get one that's done well, you, ca- you can't deny it, it's absolutely brilliant, but again, we, we need to keep coming back to atrocities, and, 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 and here's another one, and, and, and again, another one that England are responsible for, take a listen to this mess. Well, I did say mess because the name of the song is actually Vindaloo, Andy, and I think it epitomises everything that was tried to stamp to be stamped out of the English game, that sort of loudish, you know, I've drank two pints of beer, I'm English, I'm, I'm going to beat you up, and I'm, when I really couldn't beat, beat myself out of a wet paper bag sort of mentality, you know, and that's what I hear in this song. I mean, it's supposed to balance things out as well, you know, I've picked out two brilliant uh, England contributions, it, it's only fair that I should pick out one that lots of people will like. Personally, I detest it, and I absolutely detest it with a passion. And, and yeah, the content is that kind of, it does resonate of that, that loutish, moronic behaviour, but it's its just something about that, you know, we're gonna score one. It just, it is that that sort of subbreed. Is it the unrealistic expectation of it as well, Andy? You know, because those expectations are pretty un- unreasonable. But I, we'll get to some of that in mind. I must say, it's it's just something about it. It's just, and I hear people singing it, you know, over again, Vindaloo, na 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 na. And I just honestly, I hear that, and I just, ah, I really, I want an AK forty-seven right there and then. I can totally understand that one. I I thought it was very very poor. And the thing about it is, the guy that did that, I think Fat Les. He actually appeared in the video for World in Motion, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, Keith Allen, he was involved in it, yeah. 
Yeah, he was involved yeah, in the promotion, but yeah, and then came up. But, with that. but this is this is how far you fall. I only know him as Fat Les. I think that was that was who did this. So, uh, and and the thing about it was the guy wasn't overweight at all. It was kind of a weird name for him as well. In England at the time, was that popular, Andy? Because I, I think from my own point of view, I was just oh, it's awful. Just it's just awful, and it wasn't even one that you could sort of say. Well, it had mileage during the tournament. Yeah, it was popular because it, obviously it's easy for the Neanderthals to sing along to. You know, that even they can manage na 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 na. You know, that, that even after two pints, you're saying. <laughs> yeah, and also is I think why it, perhaps why I, I particularly really dislike this one was um, somewhere I used to work. There was a guy that worked there that I really didn't like and was very very annoying. Who used to sing this song nearly every day. So that probably hasn't helped in the way that I view this song. No, indeed not. Well, listen, I think I'm dying to get into your next positive because it's one that I absolutely love. Wrap your ears around this. So that's Carnival de Paris, uh, the, the, the official, and we must say the official World Cup song of 98, and probably, Andy, to this day, the only one that's worth its salt. I've got to say, I, I associate that song with joy, pure joy, because I, I love football in the 90s. It was really good. International football tournaments were fantastic. You know, World Cups, Euros, they were great. I loved them. Absolutely adored international football in the nineties. It was a real, a real high time for for it, really. And this is something that, whenever I hear it, you know, even today, it, it takes instantly takes me back to that tournament. And it was such a great tournament, and I enjoyed watching it. And I, I went to the pub so many times for so many different matches with my mates, and we would. It was just enjoyable, you know. the The atmosphere was good, and it, it, we seemed to you, you enjoyed the football. And this was, and that that's you know th- this was a part of it, and that's what I associated with. And it's like that joy, you know. It takes me back to that moment, and it's not only you know from that personal perspective of of where it takes me and, and what I associate with, but purely in music terms, it's a, it's a great piece of music. I, I just enjoy it anyway. It's it's again, it's one of those that doesn't have to be only a football tournament song you know this is something again you can listen to at any point no and, and what other track gives you bagpipes um i think south american drums uh mexican music you, you know uh, i think china as well were represented it was it was just it was what it, it did what it said in the tin it was a carnival of music never mind carnival of those nations that, that were coming together and i think I don't know, Andy. It was a great tournament in '98, but but music like that really, because yeah, I think it it was released, I, I believe, about maybe four or five weeks before the tournament started, and it was just like whetted the appetite. You just couldn't wait for for France '98 to get going. It was yeah, it was smartly done, uh, and the video as well. You know, using the kids with all the colour and the flags and every, it was that. It was it. it uh, you know, played played up to its name. 
it did exactly what it said on the tin. It was a carnival, uh, and that's what you, it felt like. You were, you were heading into a carnival, a festival of fun, you know, a festival of, of football, uh, and it was you know a great song that was was um, you know brilliant prelude to an excellent tournament. And, and you would mention sort of pre-pod as well. You know, if you if you look at the recent efforts, like you know the one in 2014, that was dreadful. The one in 2010, well. It, it, it went down the tubes with the tournament itself was probably one, one of the worst ever and you know 2006 I, I can't even remember no. and and it's, it's almost like this one just sticks out and and, and before that maybe even there, there wasn't a great deal of it you know uh, there was there was individual tunes but but the actual world cup official music has always kind of sucked until yeah. we had this one it was yeah. It was almost as though FIFA had uh, you know a blindfold on and they were throwing darts. And in 1998, they just happened to hit the bullseye. Because I, even go back to 1990, you know that tournament, Italian '90, celebrated, and we all love it. You know, it's all, for for us of a certain age, it's it's one of our favourite tournaments for so many different reasons. Um, and when you think back to the music for that tournament, the music you actually think back to is not the official anthem of the tournament because the official music of that tournament yep. was was a vanilla pop song which was yeah. crap but yeah, we, the tv was... the tv network saved us <laughs> yes <laughs> they certainly did and that's what i mean is the difference you know music can make it just it just adds something it's it's the cherry on top of the cake it really is and and if you get it right it just makes it it makes them uh, memories all that all that bit fonder Indeed. Well, here's one that's maybe not such a fond memory for you. Uh, wrap, wrap your ears around this atrocity. have the awful band of the England team, uh, supporters club, whatever they are, Andy, maybe you can enlighten us, but that gets so fucking wearing so quick. Yeah, very quick. Um, about three minutes, I think, is was, was my cutoff point. Three seconds for me. <laughs> I'll try to be generous. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember when it came in, you know, because the Dutch have always had, you know, the drums and the trumpets and everything. But they had enough. Yes, but they're so cosmopolitan, they, aren't they? There's, there's a <laughs> yeah. Well, I you know, there was enough of them to make it sound like a proper band, and they they actually knew more than sort of three tunes that lasted more than sort of fifteen seconds and re- would be repeated endlessly. But yeah, it's it's that kind of that English sort of disease in a way, you know, that imperialism. We must always go back to things, and it's like, you know, we must always go back to, you know, things, you know, like Hitler's only got one ball, and, you know, the greatest game, <laughs> the greatest game, and we've got to sing the greatest game, you know, like, as though everything's, we, you know, everything is about the war, you know, the Second World War, or the First World War, or it's, a, you know, it's, Christ, you know, it, it's not, it's not 1945, you know, move on, and this tune, you know, yes, it, it it was great for the the movie, but it's not great played by that bloody two piece band or whatever the hell they are, and I don't know where they're from. But I said, you know, pre pod, I said to you now, I went to an England match years ago up at St James's Park when England were going round the country on tour, and the atmosphere was good, 
other than that, that band. And I just wanted, it with the, you know, halfway through the first half, I wanted to make my way around that stadium and throttle them all because it just really got on my tits. Listening to that endlessly, bump, 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 the same tune over and over and over again. You know, they take a breather and then play their other tune. Take a breather, play the first tune, and it's back and but, forth, back and, and forth. And there's another aspect here. Like the commentary teams in the UK generally try and big this up. Oh, the band's playing in black. You know, can they not see it? Are they that oblivious to it? Or is it soundproof glass that they're behind? Uh, they think that's, you know, again, they probably think that's all been cosmopolitan. And Jesus. Honestly, if I could hire a sniper, that, that's, that would be it. You know, there you go. That, that's what Wembley Towers were made for. Get up there, find the... the Wembley Sniper Towers. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we need. Take them out. Because I, I, it really, honestly, it really grates on me when I hear this. No, I think we'll, we'll actually just leave it there because, you know, you mentioned Cosmopolitan. And, and to be honest with you, this next one, just just have a listen here. We, we've gone really off the charts here and gone really Cosmopolitan. So that, of course, is uh, Mashkinada uh, from Brazil, of all places, Andy. What, t- tell me tell me why this one's so important to you. I'm, I'm sure, like most people, it kind of takes them back to the advert that we saw with the Brazil football team, where they were playing uh, football through the airport, which was a fantastic idea, beautifully done and everything. And it just kind of showed off, you know, the whole sort of razzmatazz of what, Brazilian football seen as by the rest of the world. So whenever I, I hear that music, I don't just think of that advert. I think of Brazilian football. I think of the samba. I think of the 1970 team. I think of Pelé and Jairzinho and, you know, so many amazing players and, and such a, an open, expansive, delightful approach to the game. And, and it's just it's just that feeling of joy and, like, that this is it, you know, this is what football should be about. It's that feeling of fun, excitement, joy, and, and extravagance as well. No, and, and you know, you can find it. Brazil <coughs> is just such a such a musical place. I must say that probably 70% of it is complete and other sort of, it feels like your, your ears are being assaulted by a pneumatic drill. Wonderful music about Brazil. And, and live music here is just, it's just everywhere. You mentioned Mashkinada. For me, when I think about this song now, when you go up on the train, the first time I ever went to Rio de Janeiro, um, you go up to Christ the Redeemer on this on a train, you go up the side of the mountain, and halfway up, these musicians you know, come on and, and basically play all Brazilian traditional music, and the first thing they played was Mashkinada. And, you know, there's that, and there's the girl from Ipanema, who are, which are probably the... The, the, the most recognisable inter, internationally of, of Brazilian music. But it's strange because Mashkinada here, Andy, while I totally understand with the advertisement and, you know, it is a piece of music that they play whenever, like BBC, ITV and networks around Europe to identify with, with Brazilian football. But it's not here. It's it's not in any way associated with football here. And and yet I can totally understand why it's your pick. Mm. I, I think it's actually, aside from that, 
it's just such a such a great little tune, you know. It's just it's wonderfully it's rounded sound, and you know, it's just that infectious beat that that, yeah. that can that can go through Brazilian music. It's all very rhythmic. Yeah, exactly. It just catches you. There's something about it, and it catches you, and and it's just it's just a lovely lovely bit. And it's been redone, it's been covered, and whatnot. But for me, it's the original. It's that you know, it's that '66 version. That is the one, and it's just. It's simple and it's pure and it's fantastic. Well, simple, pure and fantastic. If you want to take those those definitions and turn them on their head, we have our next atrocity. And again, I, I don't I don't hold back on using the word atrocity because this one's bad. So that was Hoddle and Waddle with Diamond Lights. When football players decide they're pop stars, Andy, there's, 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 like, psychologists can make a lot out of this. Yeah, again, not for the, not for the last time tonight, I'm sure. Stick to what you've got at, and singing definitely is not it. Maybe they thought, you know, oh, Hoddle and Waddle, Waddle, that sounds similar, that's quite funny, that could be catchy. Cosmopolitan! It wouldn't be so bad. It would still be bad, but it wouldn't be as bad and so bad if it didn't look like it was done serious. If this was deadpan. If, if, but those mullets, like they're ingrained in time now. You can never. That's something you can't wipe away. And the music's bad enough, but the visual of it, I think, was was equally disturbing. The music was bad for the time. The haircuts were the fashion. You know that that's just the way things were at the time. But the music, no. There were some great. Great music in the 80s. This is not one of those. <laughs> this is just dreadful. And I know this, it technically could say this is not a football song, but I, I say it's football related because it's footballers, again, yeah, thinking that they're pop stars or somebody within a music label thinking, let's cash in here, get a couple of footballers in and somehow get them to sing. And when you hear, this is the thing as well, though, you hear Chris Waddle talking now. You can't even say the word penalty. That's penalty. <laughs> well, just penalty. like if he'd, have, if he'd have missed one sooner, he would have saved herself from that fucking hair because he cut at them and he missed a penalty. <laughs> but it's like, you know, when you hear him talk, it's like, how can you expect him to sing? How can you expect that voice to sing? Just, oh my God. Sound oh, editing's man. a wonderful thing, Andy. You know, you can make the average idiot sound, sound cohesive. Awful. Just embarrassing. I'm sure they cringe when they see it now. It was just awful. But do you know what I do? You know what I blame off that time, Andy. You'll and you'll remember this. It was like EastEnders was in its infancy, and all those actors from EastEnders were, were releasing singles left, right, and centre, which were equally as bad as this. But that uh, sort of really? oh fuck! Don't even start! Don't even start! And then that, 
that other one with the, the big hair and the big nose, I forget her name. Oh, Anita Dobson, that's her. Um, and, uh, you know, and it was, it was the done thing of the time. And then some, some fucking genius said, Hey, I know what, let's get footballers singing. And, and, you know, it was never ending well. Oh, Christ, yeah. There, there, this is a thing, like you say, you know, there was some brilliant music out in the 80s. There really was. I love 80s music. But there was also some utter trash. And this is right down there. When you talk of scraping the barrel, this is the dregs at the bottom of the barrel. No, I would actually think lower than that. Lower than a snake's bollocks. There you go. There. <laughs> That's about as low as you can get. Okay, so Andy, well, well, we want to end on a positive, so we're gonna we're gonna go completely negative. And you know, we, we talked about hoddle and waddle, and well, could we get lower? Well, not in the UK, but you know, not to be outdone in being in anything. The Germans came up with something a little bit more shit than anybody else out there. Um, <laughs> uh, just, just, just listen or try to listen to this. We'll, we'll try and keep it brief because you know I, I'm mindful of, of uh, you know causing you some mental disturbance. Andy, what was that? What in the name of living God was that? <laughs> oh my God, when I, I was searching around, I found that. I just laughed and then I thought, did I just see that? So like the laugh. village people. Like, you know, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> you've, got, you've got German people who tend to be brave and fucking serious about everything they do. They tend to do it very, very well in a very efficient <laughs> manner. And they hired the village fucking people. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was just like. Um, Do you don't want to move speechless. on because there's nothing. No, no, <laughs> just speechless. It was honestly. You know what? I was going to say is with Hoddle and Waddle, uh, you could say, all right, that was the 80s. This was the 90s. You know, th- this was a time of, we, you know, we, we'd had heavy metal, we'd had grunge, we were moving into the era of Britpop and other things. Your know, music was starting to change its sophistication. Where did the Germans go? The village yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> the village people is like... No, who's from your technic, eh? <laughs> <laughs> even, even the name of the song is a little bit... Well, could could loosely be uh, translated into a bit of a, muf- of a euphemism, but yeah, the whole thing of getting getting the village people to sing a football song in... It, it, you know the the type of football culture that you certainly that was in the nineties. It was st- yeah, still in, in the nineties. You did, you did like, and please, people, we're not trying to be offensive here in any way. But in the nineties, maybe it wasn't the done thing to get an openly out gay band to to sing it for for a football song. It was it was it was edgy of its time, Andy. I would say. It was actually, it was just bloody awful. It's not. Yeah, I'm talking about the decision. I'm talking. Forget about the music. The decision yeah, was. Yeah, the decision is just one of those like, wow. 
<laughs> but, but the actual music itself is just like, oh, like, oh, uh, uh, what? <laughs> I just you're doing like, a service there by calling it music, actually. <laughs> it's one of them where you 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 listen to it, you watch the vid- you have to watch the video, you watch the video, and you just think, oh my god, did I just see that? Did that really you know, really like happen? Like faces there, like Luther Mateus, you know, legends. Making complete arses of themselves, you know, to the world. <laughs> oh, but I what? See, I'm laughing at this, and and what I would love to see, what I would really like to see, is because um, you know, we talked there. Look, you know, yeah, the nineties football culture has long had a, you know, a homophobic sort of attachment to it, and I think as society changes, a lot of attitudes change, and and, and so they should. But I think there's still a lot of that old school mentality still remains in England. So for for all those the Neanderthal types, you know, the the, the guys who the Vindaloo people, <laughs> yeah, the Vindaloo people who who like to go abroad whenever there's a tournament on and basically always remove their shirt, drink cans of cheap lager, uh, throw deck chairs and and other assorted restaurant furniture around uh, and basically get into a fight with themselves or anybody else that they can find and do damage and basically bring shame to the, the human race, let alone their own nation. I would love the village people to be recording the next England World Cup song just for just to see the reaction from these people because I honestly think it would just be absolutely priceless uh, and, and based on, on this effort, Oh my! I think I would piss my pants laughing. It would be so funny. Yeah, but but at the same time, it wouldn't meet with maybe the the the, the shock that it was uh, it did twenty years ago. And, and and you know, it's it's a sign of how far we've moved on as a society, really. Yeah, but um, it would put a joy from it being selected as a World Cup song, just to see them sort of turn blue and purple and jump up and down because of because of that selection. That I would I would just take pleasure from seeing their utter fury. <laughs> the fact that the world has moved on from uh, from 1964. Well, I'm getting just a bit of crack out of out of the fact that we're laughing at Germany because it's not it's, it's not it's not something we do very often. It's not something they afford us very often. Um, is the gift of laughter at them because they do what they tend to do, what they manufacture, everything they do is done so efficiently and brilliantly. Yeah. It's a very rare occasion we get a laugh at the expense of the Germans, but this is this is one of those rare occasions, Andy. Yeah, uh, fashion, music, and uh, sometimes haircuts. Uh, having lived in Germany. Yeah, they could always uh, bring you a bit of a laugh, yeah. But, yeah, they're, they're brilliant at football, but by Christ, they pick some terrible songs. Well, I, I think it's it's notable as well. You know, if you if you look up this song on YouTube, it, it's called the best World Cup song ever, and there's like an LOL, but the O's go on. There's an L and then about 50 O's, and then another L. I think, I think it basically explains everything. But listen, we're, we're, we're going to move and finish on a high, as always, um, a positive. And, and it's the point of the show where I need to stand up and put my hand and my heart and salute and all kinds of things and put my microphone down. So, so probably everybody knows what I'm talking about, but here we go. Hold your hand. And don't be afraid of the dark At the end of a storm There's a golden sky 
and the sweet silver sound of love. Walk on through the wind. Walk on through the rain. For your dreams be tossed and So Andy, an anthem to end all anthems. It, it is football. It is. It epitomises football. It's. It's not just Liverpool Football Club. Celtic have adopted it. Dortmund have adopted it. I know there's a, there's a number of clubs around the world that adopt, it, and it's synonymous with football. And it was never meant to be. I think that, that's that's the beautiful part about it. But it's something that I've grown up with. It's it's just a piece of music. I'm sure a lot of fans don't like to hear it, but I just love it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as a Liverpool fan, it's it's obviously. <laughs> going to be on, going to make my list, and and no doubt, yeah, there are rival fans that, that don't like it for for whatever reason because of the club loyalties and all that. But yeah, that that whole thing of you know that kind of that fan culture, the way things used to be on the terraces, that they go back to some of the footage in the sixties uh, when match of the day went to Liverpool. I think it was the first match of the day. At halftime, they're playing you know they're playing songs out the charts, and the crowd on the cop are all singing along, and it is just. It's something else, and it's 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 a kind of a taste of what you know football's lost in in some ways. This was one of them songs that was just picked up by the crowd, and they just loved it, and they kept singing it, and it was just then became you know it was somebody had mentioned it, you know this is their song, and that was it. It was just adopted and forever used, and it's it still. You know, yeah, brings a lump to my throat, makes the hair stand on end. Just the thought of it, it's something else to sing. But like you said, yeah, it's not just Liverpool. Celtic do it as well. They do it tremendously. Uh, I've been there in Dortmund. They do it. it sounds fantastic. Eighty thousand people singing it in Dortmund. They even sing it at Mainz as well. You know, it's it, there's other clubs as well around the world in in different countries that sing it, and it is. A song that is just now is synonymous with the game of football, and it's beautiful. It's um, like football's football at its finest. Yeah, and, and you know you'll remember you did the pods with us at the time whenever Jan used to be with us in bodies at the very beginning. They used to talk about you know standing on the cop in the sixties and you know, all the Beatles music and everybody used to sing along to the Beatles music. And, and there was a, I think the cop at Anfield always had that tradition of singing, and you know you touched on it there. And it was then through the Beatles, and then you know this was adopted, and there was always that sort of. Liverpool always seemed to be a very, very much a very vocally, uh, you know, a musically vocal uh, crowd. Yeah, I think there's obviously there was kind of the, the way the two things were, were intertwined at the time because of the music scene in Liverpool was so popular and it was so so buoyant. There was so many bands and artists coming through, and obviously it was popular kind of thing that then you know. We'd go into the cavern and other clubs, people playing live, and it was just, it, it was a part of the culture. You know, they, they, they went to football on a Saturday afternoon, and it was live music on a Saturday night, and, and the two things were intertwining, and people loved the music. And and I think they, the, obviously, the crowd there from, you know, Liverpool was, 
was not a rich city. So they for their you know, up there you know, up there up north out the way of the big smoke out the way of London, you know, people from their city making it big, you know, hearing their songs in the charts, it's just that whole thing of identifying with them. And and I think that goes beyond just Liverpool the club and, and Liverpool the city. It's you know, other cities as well feeling that, you know, working class cities where their people have gone on and, and made something. There's that ident- identity and, and a connection. And it, and, and it just sort of took hold then, yeah. That whole thing, the music and the football was intertwining. Both were successful at the time. And it, yeah, it really took hold. And it was, and again, it's it's one of them things that the cop has always been uh, long identified with. And uh, it, it's a wonderful song. It really is. The lyrics are beautiful, everything. It sounds fantastic. And it's one of them that sounds brilliant when you've got sort of 50, 60, or in this case of Dortmund, 80,000 people just singing it along at the same time, you know, holding the scarves in the air. It's it's a sight to behold. And on, there's been many a Champions League night where you've seen even fans of clubs like Barcelona, you know, where they've got 90-odd thousand at their ground. And they're stood there in amazement, hold, you know, with their cameras, taking pictures and looking and joining in. This thing that you've heard about and you've seen, and, and you know, and there you are, you're a part of it. It's... Um, for me, football at its finest. And you see, you touch on, you know, there was a discussion this week about, you know, what what matters more, you know, with, with Liverpool returning to Europe. For me, the best the best times I ever had following Liverpool, going to games, you know, away trips in Europe are just a, a thing of beauty. Home, tri- home trips are fantastic, don't get me wrong, spiritual experiences, but to be in the away end, you know, you have the real blood and guts people in there and... It, 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 you know that that you'll never walk alone. We always, everybody always does it, and you always, as you say, the, the away fans love to join in. It's, it's it's a spectacle, it's a tradition, and it's it's so well respected around Europe as well. And it's really worth mentioning that it is. And like you say, you know that we don't want to get too much on Liverpool, but you know you go you go back to the late two thousands under Rafa Benitez, where Liverpool were again doing well in Europe, and you really got to see close ups then of the of the different of the different crowds. The visiting fans coming, they were joining. You know, they were singing "You'll Never Walk Alone" with their scarves in the air. But that that one always resonated with me. That uh, the one against Barcelona, and you saw, you know, that their fans that were used to seeing the likes of Ronaldinho week in week out, you know, they're just turned and they're watching Liverpool fans and, and just taking in the spectacle. And and it does, yeah, it speaks volumes of of how the club was seen. So it's um, and again, and it's just inextricably linked to that piece of music you know that the club and that music seem to have become one well listen we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there for now Andy on yours obviously we're going to we'll do my own as a part two now and just for a bit of fun and, and you don't know what's coming here Andy <clears throat> I'm going to I'm not using uh, music as a nitro I'm going to use a piece of commentary uh, we've done a bit of England bashing here but this to me is music to my ears it's, it may not be music and Andy, it's the, the Norwegian commentary from, I think it was 1981 or 1982, when the, the commentator lost his shit at uh, Norway beating England. Do you, re- do you recall this one? Yeah, that was uh, 1993, I believe. Oh, was it England, as late as that? I thought it was 81. England under Graham Taylor lost against Norway, and it meant that they wouldn't qualify for the World Cup 94. Well, there you are. As I say, How maybe the. I tell you what, that's off the cuff, man. I'm I'm well impressed. But anyway, we're gonna we're gonna play it with that. Maybe some of our younger listeners will be oblivious to what's what they're about to hear. But whenever you actually heard this, uh, it was the next day after the game. It appeared on on television in the UK. And still to this day, I get an immense giggle out of this. So until part two, we'll leave it with this. Yes, England. 
England, Shempish Ferdinand, Lord Nelson, Lord Davybrook, Sir Winston Churchill, Sir Anthony Eden, Clemence Attlee, Henry Cooper, Lady Diana, yes, of them all the summon, yes, of them all the summon, Maggie Thatcher, can you hear me? Maggie Thatcher, your boys took a hell of a beating. Your boys took a hell of a beating. Fight back,